0: This morning, I want us to start with a little bit of Dr. Seuss. Anybody like Dr. Seuss? You like Dr. Seuss, Jimmy? One fish, two fish. What's that? One fish, two fish. two That's not the one I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that one. I do like that one. Green eggs and ham. I'm not doing that one either. Anybody else want to guess? <laughs> um, cat in a hat? No, not that one either. Not that one either. Did I ever tell you about the young Zold who came to a sign at the fork in the road? He looked one way and the other way too. The Zold had to make up his mind what to do. Well, the Zold scratched his head and his chin and his pants, and he said to himself, I'll be taking a chance. If I go to place one, that place may be hot. So how will I know if I like it or not? On the other hand, though... I feel such a fool if I go to place two and I find it's too cool. In that case, I may catch a chill and turn blue. So place one may be best and not place two. Play safe, cried the Zold. I'll play safe. I'm no dunce. I'll simply start off to both places at once. And that's how the Zold, who'd not take a chance, went to went no place at all, with a split in his pants. So there you go. So what's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is we all got decisions to make, don't we? We all come to a place in our life that, uh, um, you know, we make decisions every day. Uh, most of the decisions are kind of mundane. They, you know, uh, what are you going to eat? Where are you going to go to eat? Um, what are you going to buy at the grocery store? What are you going to go do? It's just little decisions that we make every single day. But there are times that we do come to a place where we have to decide something and we have to realize that that decision is going to cost us something. Uh, that decision, uh, we know it's the right decision, uh, but we know it's going to cost us something that may, we, may be dear to us. Um, what do we do when we're faced with that decision. This morning, I want us to look at uh, uh, a person and a situation to where they were at a place where they had to make a decision. That's Jeremiah. Jeremiah was one of the uh, great prophets of the Old Testament. Uh, In fact, Jeremiah was so prominent that Jesus, uh, when he asked uh, his disciples. Who do people say that he is? Remember what they said in Matthew sixteen and fourteen. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So Jeremiah was a a prophet that was chosen, if you will, to. I, I mean, he had to bring some pretty devastating news. Quite often, uh, he he had to bring some news to Judah or to Israel. There, when they there wasn't any really any turning back at that point. Uh, We're going to come to a place here, especially in Jeremiah 15, to where uh, the the news that he had been delivering uh, was pretty devastating for them. Uh, they come to a point to where God's, telling them that this is this is what's going to happen Jeremiah this is what you've got to tell them this is what you're prophesying is going to happen to them he, he even talks about there's going to be a uh, uh, it, different things are going to happen some's going to be killed by the sword some's going to be in captivity some with pestilence some you know there's just this devastation there's going to be a remnant but there's this this devastation that's that's coming upon them they have got to the point to where uh, in essence, there's no turning back. And Jeremiah's having to, to tell this. Now, he's had to tell things like this for, for a long time. And he's, he's reaching a point here in Jeremiah 15 where he's at a crossroads. He's at a point to where uh, he's maybe doubting what he's doing, doubting if he wants to continue to do that or not. He, he's even kind of uh, flirting with the idea of bailing out. Look with me in Jeremiah fifteen. Begin at verse sixteen. He says, "Your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I did not sit in the assembly of the mockers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because of your hand, for you have filled me with indignation. Why is my pain perpetual and my wounds incurable, which refuses to be healed?" Will you surely be to me like an unreliable stream as waters that fell? Jeremiah here in his complaining he begins to think that this, this, prof, this prophecy business is maybe more trouble than it's worth. Um, and if you think about that responsibility that's on him, he, he's in a situation to where as he describes here, especially in chapter 15, as he describes he's he, he, he's not done these things. He's already always separated himself. And Jeremiah's in a new, unique position that I think sometimes many Christians who proclaim God's word by the way they live their life and the things that they say, that they find themselves in sometimes. You find yourself in to where the world And you don't want the world to accept you, but the world won't accept you because they don't like the way that you're living. They don't like the things that you're saying. And and so they kind of want you out of the way, so you don't fit in there. But then again, you may not fit in with other Christians who don't want to hear that either. The very ones that you may, that you should be in fellowship with, that should want to hear God's word, that should want to live that way. And maybe there's things that as you're studying and reading in God's Word and, and you're trying to live it, but it's in contrast how maybe others that supposedly been li- be living for God are. So they don't want to hear it from you either. So where does that leave you? leaves you in a pretty tough spot, doesn't it? It leaves you where you think, as many of the prophets did, that you're all alone. And this, this may be harder than what you're willing to give. It's harder than what you're willing to do. You feel like you spent all of this time. And I think Jeremiah's one of his problems here. And I think it's a legitimate one, but it's not his fault, as it were. I think he's considering himself a failure. Because he's prophesying, he's been prophesying to him and prophesying to him. But what he's telling them, they're not changing, they're not going to change and, and he feels like he's a failure in what he's saying. So he's just delivering bad news. It don't seem like hope to them because they don't want to receive it as hope. You know, if you think of the things that God said about them, they talked about how, how, how awful they were doing and what they fell into back in the idolatry and the things that they were doing. And he said because of Manasseh. You remember Manasseh, as he, as he come through uh, his kingship, if you will, it wasn't just because of what Manasseh did. It was how, will, how they were willing to accept the things that he brought. And then even the next king after him, uh, uh, when he brought back the idols and things, they just so readily accepted it. They, they were just willing to follow along with that. They weren't willing to stay with God. They were just going farther and farther away. And God, if you will, this, this cup of wrath has gotten full to where he says, okay, here's what's going to happen. But see, Jeremiah's the one delivering this news to them. Jeremiah's the one who's having to tell them this. And he he starts off by, he says, you know, your word is in me, God. It's here. But he said he feels like he's failing. And he don't know if God now is going to stand with him because he don't feel like he's lived up to what he should do because they're not changing. But what he doesn't realize is, with any messenger of God, any Christian, It's our job to proclaim it. Can we make the individuals change? You know, we we sometimes think that that we're failures because we can't convince someone to do different by God's word, but is it our place to do that? You know, Jesus himself didn't convince everybody, did he? he? He said, here's what I come to do. I come to seek and save that which is lost. Here's the message that I have to proclaim it's up to those individuals whether they accept it or not. Whosoever will come after him. Not, not, I'm going to grab you by the hair of the head and make you do it. It's whosoever will. So, so Jesus had to bring some pretty devastating news. He said, I come to call you, and, and here's the cost of this. But he also said, my burden is light. You know, if you come to me, it's not as hard as you think it's going to be. It's harder living as a transgressor, because the way of the transgressor is hard. But the message is, is sometimes devastating for individuals to hear, and they won't accept it. So Jeremiah finds himself in a spot to where the world certainly not going to accept him. He's not going to fit in with the world because they, they certainly don't like his message. But the very people who should is treating him bad. So he, he don't know where he, what he should do now. You know, so he's had a decision okay, here, here's where it really counts. What is he going to do? What, is he going to bail out? Now, I believe as, as you see these things that Jeremiah is doing, I don't think Jeremiah's out in the street corner talking about how awful his life is. I think this is what his thoughts and his conversation with God is. I think to the public, he's exactly what he's supposed to be. And I'm not saying he's living two lives. I'm saying he's he, he, he's doing what he's supposed to do, but in these intimate moments with God, he's proclaiming how hard this is. And he just don't know if he's got it in him anymore. He don't know if he can do this anymore. Even though he wants to, he Even we're going to talk about this, that how he, well, let's just go and read it. Look in Jeremiah 20, again in verse 8. He says, For when I spoke, he, he, this, this is a, another time he's struggling here. He said, For when I spoke, I cried out, I shouted, Violence and plunder, Because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and could not. For I heard many mockings, uh, fear on every side, report they say, and we will report it. Uh, All my acquaintances watched for my stumbling, saying, Perhaps he can be induced. Then we will prevail against him, and we will take our revenge on him. So notice what Jeremiah is saying here. He said, okay, here's what I'm proclaiming. They don't like what I'm saying, so I tried to contain God's word. I I tried to say, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to say it anymore. But he said, it's like a fire inside of me. I couldn't do that. I, I can't keep it to myself. So he says, here's what I'm proclaiming and the enemy's saying, maybe we can induce him, maybe we can do this, maybe we can trap him, and maybe we can get, he said, they're going to come out against me. The people don't like what I'm saying, but I can't not say it, even though at times I don't want to. You ever felt like that? (laughs) You ever felt like, uh, you ever been in a situation where you know you should say something, you know what saying it's going to cause, so you try not to say it, But you know you have to say it. You ever been in that situation? That's tough to be in, isn't it? it, You know, it's a tough situation to find yourself in when all you want to do is help. And that's what Jeremiah's wanting to do. I think he loves people, I think he's wanting to help. God's placed this on him to do this. He's wanting to help, but he sees how the people react to it. So he says, I'm just, I'm, I'm just not going to do it. I, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to proclaim it. But it just eats him up inside. Because he knows he needs to and he wants to. Because he says it's like a fire. He can't not do it. But he says here's what's going to happen. So what is he? He's at a decision. Does he take road one or does he take road two? Does he bail out? Does he say I just, I, I'm not going to do this anymore? And he tells God, he, he, he tells God, you know, I've, I, I've, I've, here's what I've done. I've separated myself out. I've not sat with the wicked. I've, I've not done these things. And I've done this on purpose because, one, I don't fit in anyway. Nobody's going to accept it. But, two, I understand what I'm supposed to be doing. But what Jeremiah basically is saying, it's hard. It, this decision is hard. And it is his decision, isn't it? It's his decision whether he's going to do it or not. You know, God's placed this on him. That, that's what his purpose is. That's what his purpose has always been. But he's fighting it now. Because it, it's really starting to get hard. Now, it's easy. I mean, you take this as far as, as preaching goes. If you, you know, from a pulpit or as a minister. It's easy to preach love. It's easy to preach, boy, you're doing good. It's easy to preach, you know, a lot of these kind of things. And, and we need encouragement. We we need this good news of the gospel, but part of this good news of the gospel is repentance, isn't it? Part part of this good news of the gospel is I've got to make a change. That's when that starts to hurt. That's when it starts to get personal. That's when individuals say, okay, this this preacher has stopped preaching, and now he started meddling. (laughs) Now he's getting into my life, because now I've got to change. So what do we do? It, 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 it can be discouraging as a Christian, it can be discouraging as a, as a minister, it can be, you know, that decision, what am I going to do at this moment now? It's almost like uh, you take a child growing up, and as, as that child grows up in a family, maybe they grow up in a, a good, faithful Christian home. And as they're growing up, they, they see their parents, they see their desire and their love for God, they see how involved they're in, they, they see their dedication but at some point, that faith has to be theirs, doesn't it? It can't be mom and daddy's anymore. It, it, it has to be theirs. So when they get out and, and they're getting on their own, and they're faced with these things of the world, they're prepared, they, they have the knowledge, but maybe the experience in there as far as, okay, this is the first time I've been faced with this. This is harder than I thought. It's easy to live that life when you're in this bubble, in this circle, if you will, when you're around other people who think and believe like you do, but when you get put in situations where they don't, or you're put in situations where you have to be the one to call it out, whether by vocally or just by your life in general, it it may be that light that shines on this darkness that people don't want to see. And then you have to make that decision, what do I do? Is this worth it? Boy, this is, this is harder than I thought it was. This is a little different. You, you, you see kind of, that's what I see Jeremiah's in, the situation anyway. That's what I see from him, is he's, I, I, don't, I don't think he's doing it publicly. I don't think he's at the gate saying, you know, this, this, this serving God business, this prophesying, I don't like it. I, I don't want to do it anymore. I, I don't think he's venting his, his dirty laundry out to the world I think he's having a conversation with God. Well, no, he is having a conversation with God saying, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. This is Because God answers him and, and helps him in that, that part of it, telling him, okay, here's what you need to do and here's what I'm going to do for you. Jeremiah just needs some, some encouragement here. He needs a little uh, reinforcement of just stay the course. And I think as Christians, we, at some points in our Christian life, we we get to this point. Is it worth it? You know, have I truly counted the cost? Uh, This cost gets a little bit difficult. But notice how he describes to, to God here in Jeremiah 15 and 17. He said, I did not sit in the assembly of the mockers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because of your hand, for you had filled me with indignation. You know, you... God is telling, Jeremiah is telling God, I, I didn't sit with him. You filled me with indignation. Now what do you think he means by that? That God is the one that's making him miserable? Or by serving God, he, he's truly aware of what these individuals are doing, and he just can't, he knows what the end result's going to be, but he can't convince them of that and that turmoil that's in there. He's in a pretty tough spot, you know. And I tell you, that's the feeling we should have, isn't it? We should be filled with indignation. We should look out in the world, and it should just infuriate us, not where we're just mad at the world, but that the world won't listen, that here's what the end result's going to be. Can't you see it? Can't you see this is what's going to happen, and you see them do it anyway? And that should make us feel disappointed. It should make us feel lonely. It should, you know, ignite us. It it, it should bother us. Sin should bother us. It it, it shouldn't be any different than a parent that is you're teaching your children, and, and you tell your children, okay, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. But yet they do it anyway and you see that that's going to happen. One, you're, you're sad because you know what's going to happen. You know that's going to hurt them either emotionally or physically or, or whatever the case may be. And it makes you sad because you don't want to see your child go through that. But it also should infuriate us that they didn't listen to start with. They, they should listen and know that and trust you enough that this is what's going to happen. So I, I think all this rolled up here. I believe that's what Jeremiah is, is going through and what Jeremiah is, is, is feeling. Now, notice here, starting in verse 19 of Jeremiah 15. He says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, If you return, then I will bring you back. You shall stand before me. If you take out the precious uh, uh, from the vial, you shall be as my mouth. Let them return to you. But you, know, but you must not return to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified bronze wall, and they will fight against you. But they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you to save you and deliver you, says the Lord. Now let's break this down just a little bit. It says, therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, then I will bring you back. What do you think he's saying here to Jeremiah? As Jeremiah... Went from just venting to, okay, he's he's kind of crossed the line here to where he has got to come back to center. He's got to come back. He's, you know, this <coughs> discouragement, this you know pain that he's feeling, has, has took him farther than he needed to be. And God is telling him, you you need to get these back in check. You need to get back to where you you need to be. Don't don't you return to me. Don't go with them. Don't, don't return to them. You, you stay here with me. Don't, don't go back to... I'm, I'm thinking that Jeremiah must think his life would be easier if he just give in and just go with it. That if he just gives in, knowing the result... Now think about that. Do we get put in those... Or have you been put in that situation to where you know... You know what the end result's going to be. But it's just so hard... Not to go along with it, that you just say, okay, I'm just going to do it. It's just easier. I know what the end result's going to be, but I'm just, I'm just going to do it. I, I'm, I'm not willing to fight that anymore. You ever, you ever been in that situation? You know, you ever been in that situation to where it may have been when you were younger and, you know, you put in situations and, you know, it's just easier to go along than it is to, to stand out by yourself. Or as you get older, it's it's easier when you're at the workplace or whatever, and you see all these others talk about this or do this. You think, well, it's it's just easier. To, I'm, I'm tired of fighting this. I'm tired of being the, the standout. I'm tired of be being the oddball. I'm tired of being the one that people say, oh, don't you know, that's the stick in the mud over there. Don't you know, don't be around him. And they just you know, when we think about persecution, sometimes we think of it in a lot of different terms, but sometimes maybe we don't think of it in terms of that. It may just be persecution of your, your outcast, and you just feel lonely and you don't want to feel lonely anymore. Nobody wants to feel lonely. No one, no one wants to feel like there's no one. I mean, you take different prophets throughout. You know, they cry out to God, I, I, I'm the only one. There's, there's no one. And God had to shake them loose say, no, you're not. You may feel like you are, but you're not the only one. Get up, dust yourself off, get back in the game. You're not the only one going through this. Job cried out all the time, you know, why me, Lord? Why why are you doing this to me? Why why is it happening to me? There's sometimes we we don't understand why we're put in the positions that we're put in when we are. But it very well may be because we're the only one that can do it at that time. We may not know it ourselves. We may not feel like we're strong enough to make that decision ourselves, but God knows that we can, and we have to trust in him. But as he's telling uh, Jeremiah here, you know, here's, here's what I'm going to do. Let them return to you, but you must not return to them, and I will make you to this people a fortified bronze wall, and they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. He said, he said I'm with you. They're, they're going to fight, but you got to understand, you're not fighting this alone. Even if you feel physically that you're by yourself, I'm still here with you. There, there's, we're going to win this. See here, I guess maybe, I don't know, you know I, I can't go through all of Jeremiah's mind and know every little aspect of it, but God has already made up his mind here what he's going to do. You know, he, he's, he's already told them, here's what's going to happen. Some's going to die by the sword. Some's going to be in captivity. Some I'm going to keep over here. He, he's already told them, because it's going on so long, and this is what you keep going back to, this is what's going to happen. This, this, here we are now. We're at this point. You know, you made your bed. Now you got to lie in it. That, that's where God's at now. Jeremiah is just a messenger of that. And, you know... I guess he's, he's bound to feel like Noah, <laughs> preacher of righteousness for as long as he was, and look, who's going to listen? You know, you, you got to feel like that. But, you know, God is just, this is, and, and it's the same with us today. God's already decided what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen to the lost. Here's what's going to happen to the, the saved. You just proclaim that message, and they have to decide what they do. God's already decided what he's going to do with the lost. He already knows what he's going to do with the saved. We just have to tell him that. We have to show him that. This is what the end result is going to be for this. This is the end result for this. Why wouldn't you take the narrow road? Yes, it's a difficult road, but look what it leads to. Yeah, this, this wide road, yeah, it looks pleasurable. It looks good. It looks a whole lot easier, but look what it leads to. See, we have the benefit of God's Word of showing what the end is. We've got the sign. Now, it may sound funny, you know, the, the sign people, you stand on the street, the end is near, you know, we, you make fun of those people. But that's really what we're doing. We're showing the sign, here's what it is. And people just don't want to do it. They don't want to acknowledge it. But it's not only that, what you have to look at with Jeremiah, these are people who should acknowledge it. These are people that God had set apart these are the ones that he pulled out and said, I'm going to make this great nation. These are the ones that should trust him. These are the ones that should follow him. These are the ones that should stick it out. But they're not. So again, it's not just that he's proclaiming it to the world and they're not accepting it. He's proclaiming it to individuals. He's telling these individuals all along, you've got to repent, got to repent, got to repent. Now he's got to tell them, okay, that time's passed. Here's what's going to happen. Here's the end result of it now. You should have listened before. How would you like to bring that kind of news? How would you like to stand up before these group of people and say, you know, you're going to be in captivity. You're going to die by the sword. You're going to die by famine. You're going to, you know, not only that, here's what the dogs are going to do to your corpse. Here's what the birds are going to do. If you go back and read, you know, previous to this chapter or the first part of this chapter, he says it's not only that, there's going to be devastation. This is what's going to happen to your corpse. You know That's got to be a hard place to be in. So again, he's standing at a decision. Do I want to do this anymore? I know I have to. I know I need to. I even want to inside. But it's that end result that I just, I don't know if I can deal with anymore. I don't know if I can take that ridicule. I don't know if I can take being the outsider. I don't know if I can take being alone. And, you know, we, we have to give some individuals and ourselves some... I guess some lead way in grace. And what I mean by that is, I think we're all going to find ourselves in a decision point like Jeremiah. At some point in our Christian life, we're, we're going to be at that crossroad and second guess, is it worth it? Even though we know it is, we we're still may be willing to give it up just because we're tired of fighting. Just because we're tired of saying it. We're, 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 we're just tired of, you know, uh, it's almost like, you know, we can compare a lot of stuff to parents and children. It's almost like you're, you're trying to convince a two-year-old, you know, of something, or a three-year-old. And it's just like this battle, and you're thinking, this is a two-year-old. I should be able to do this. And it's just, just constant battle, and you've got to realize, okay, I'm the parent. I've got to win this battle. <laughs> There's no giving up on this. This, this teaching, this discipline, this, this instructing, this loving, this encouraging, all this, it, it, it's my responsibility. So I can't give up on this. I can't just say, oh, it's just easier to let them do whatever they want to do. Oh, it's just, is it easier? I mean, think about it as a parent. Is it easier for the parent that, you know, trains their children or for the parent who just lets them do whatever they want to do? Which is harder. One may be harder at the beginning, I can guarantee the other one ended up a whole lot harder. You know, I, I, I've seen that, you know. I, I've experienced it just in, in parenting myself to think sometimes, oh, it's just easier to say yes. Well, then you have to deal with the things that you said yes to or that you just gave in on, and it was actually harder than just to stand up to start with. So we all know the, the battle of that because we face it in little things each day. But when it comes to the spiritual things as a Christian, we face these decisions and sometimes it's just, is it better just not say nothing? It, it should be better just... I can still think of one instance, and it was something just little, and it really wasn't anything that I let anybody stray or, or didn't, but just in the car one moment with someone, as, as they were talking about something, I should have said something, because they may have got that wrong impression, if I, did, I didn't do it. I still think about that. You know, I still think about, you know, right there was a perfect opportunity. I just should have said anything, but to me it just... That moment, it just wasn't worth the battle. It just—I just felt like it wasn't worth the, you know, the the conversation of the rest of the car ride. You know, it just better just—I probably wouldn't do no good anyway. So just hush. You know, you know, we find ourselves in those those little moments like that, and Jeremiah, in a of course much bigger affair here, finds himself in that moment. it's, it's like a fire inside of me, and I, I just, I, I tried to contain it because, you know, it would be easier. I just can't. I, I've, I've got to be able to say it. God is telling Jeremiah here in verses 19 through 20 that, you know, you've got to make a choice. You've been toying with bailing out on your faith here, or bailing out on this, uh, because of fear of the, the persecutors and things, but, but you've got to make a choice. You you got to come back and, and, and be doing what you're supposed to do and and even even if it's offensive to people and it's going to be offensive. it would be offensive to me for Jeremiah to tell me what he had to tell them that would be offensive you know we've said this before you know the truth shall make you free but the truth hurts the truth will make you mad it, it, the truth will just you know make you furious and want to it it'll either be like. Uh, Stephen, when he told them the truth and they were cut to the heart, they gnashed their teeth and killed them. Now when Peter, when he told them the truth, it pricked their hearts, what did they do? Some 3,000 obeyed. So the truth is, when it hits you, it's going to hit you in some different ways. It's either going to make you so mad, you're going to want to kill the one who's telling it to you, or it's going to prick your heart enough where you can say, "Yeah, yeah you're right, that, that's who I am, that's what I did. And I've got to do different now. So it it is hard to be on the receiving end, and we think about that a lot, but it's hard to be on the presenting end too. That can be a difficult situation uh, to be in. Uh, Look what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 37. He says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, Jesus is telling us, and he told his disciples then, he's telling us now, basically the same thing God told Jeremiah then. you got to make a choice. Is it the world or is it me? That's what it really boils down to. Here's what you're supposed to do. You need to make the choice and do it. Uh, it. It can't be, again, it can't be your parents' faith. It can't be your spouse's faith. It can't be your grandparents' faith. It can't be your preacher's faith. It can't be anything else. You've got to make a choice. Is it going to be my faith? And here's what my faith means. Now, this is sometimes hard for us to kind of understand. It is for me. Me accepting my faith and obeying my, that, that one true faith But part of my faith may be different than yours because my faith may cause me to be in different circumstances than you and in different situations than you. You may be in something over here that you're dealing with that's just as hard, but it may be different. So how are we? Each one of us has to make a choice. I can't look at your faith and say, boy, I wish I had a faith like that. It seems so much easier. You don't know what that person had to go through. You don't know what they're facing. You can't compare your faith to theirs that way. That's why Paul says, examine yourself. Because if I examine myself, okay, I've got God's Word here. I'm responsible for me and the situations and the opportunities that I find myself in. How do I handle those? How how does my faith measure up then? And that's what Jeremiah had to face. That's what Elijah had to face. We're all facing different things. You know, I... That's what I had to realize in India. First, The first thought I had when the first villages I went to, I thought if, if my, if, when I stand before God, I'll never make it if I have to go against that kind of faith. I just won't never make it. My faith, I don't think my faith could do that, to face the things that they faced. And it took a, a, a process of time I had to realize, well, they're faced with different things than I am. I'm faced with different things than they are. My faith stands on its own with my faith what I'm presented with, what the opportunities that I have, the failures that I have, the accomplishments that I have, the things that God set before me that He didn't set before somebody else. So that's what we have to, have to realize. One of the most uh, hardest things, I think, is when we face uh, opposition. It, it's hard to read about or think about times that individuals gave in. And, and I thought about this as I was thinking about uh, this situation with Jeremiah. In John chapter 12... Remember after Jesus healed the blind man and he goes and he goes before the council. And they can't deny that it's him. They, they bring his parents in and they're trying to determine about Jesus healing him and what he really did. But notice what happens here. Starting in verse 42 it says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. You know, this is a tragic story right here, isn't it? You know, you've got individuals that had to make a choice. They believed him. (laughs) They couldn't deny what they seen. But out of fear, not just fear, but wanting to be accepted, they didn't say anything. They they didn't make the right decision. Because they were afraid they were going to be cast out, and they loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. We can't let our decision making be based on, am I going to get a pat on the back over here, or am I going to get a punch in the face? Which one? <laughs> you know, because it may be either or. And sometimes we may do that, a fear of what somebody may say, but even to me, more tragic than that, because we want the praises of people more than God, then we won't make the right decision. Sometimes we will make a decision out of fear. And sometimes we'll, we'll think about that, and sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll have to go back and make that right. You know, sometimes fear can do, when it's that phobos that fear, that paralyzing fear, sometimes we, we don't react the way that we should. But when we make decisions because I'd rather men think well of me than God, then that's, you get into a willingness of, I, I'm not going to repent of that because I'd rather have this. There's a difference in doing something, I think, just out of fear. Fear is bad enough, but when you make a conscious decision because you'd rather have praises here than praises of God, that you get getting into pretty tough territory then. And that's what we found here in this story. Um, Notice what Jesus said in Matthew 5, again, verse 11. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, we can go back and look at Jeremiah and say, okay, the things I'm going with now, Jeremiah was dealing with, with things even worse maybe. You know, this, this was a, a, a prophet, the one that God's counting on to proclaim this. Well, he's counting on us, isn't he? He's counting on us to do the same thing. So we can look back and see the struggles that he had, and maybe it, we might just need to have a conversation with God like Jeremiah did and say, this is hard. <laughs> this is hard. You know, I, I, sometimes we just need to have that, that conversation. We may just need to vent a little bit. But we can look back and see that they went through this, the same thing. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 4, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fire, fiery trials which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may be also, uh, also be glad with exceedingly joy. So it's telling us it's going to come. It's like someone said one time, when you become a Christian... You better hope you better know you are going to look good on wood because that's where you're going to be most of the time. <laughs> you know, and and I thought about that that little statement and I thought, well, that's true because what do we do? We we die to him daily, we take up our cross daily for him. And it's a decision that we choose to make. That's what, that's what's hard. We we volunteer for this. We we're weighing the evidence And we volunteer because we make that choice to do it or not. Now, if we make the choice for ourselves of what we might get out of church or what we might get out of this, if it's just based on that, when these hard decisions come, we're not going to make the right ones. But if it's based on truly knowing what's right, truly wanting to serve God and trusting Him no matter what, we may have these difficult times that come up, but we will get through it and make the right decision. Thank you for listening.